Okay. Make sure Coach can hear me. I hear you good. You All hear right. me? Yep. That sounds good. Oh, these microphones have got a lot better. <laughs> they have come a long way. All right. You ready, Alan? Back here on Radio Row, New Orleans Convention Center. Site of Super Bowl 47. Darren McFarland back here at our 1025 The Game table. All of our coverage this week brought to you by Low T Center in Brentwood. Inside Maryland Farms and Freeland Chevy Business Elite Sales. To say that our next guest is a treat for me would be an understatement because as a kid growing up in Lexington, Kentucky, while I don't remember his playing days, I know that he was a legend at Kentucky when he played. Coach Howard Snellenberger here at our table. Coach, how you doing? Well, I'm doing wonderful in uh, talking about the 47th anniversary of the first um, Super Bowl game. It takes me back to uh, my uh, days back at the Dolphins uh, with the Rams out in L.A. and seeing uh, Super Bowl One and Super Bowl Two with my New Brad Beverly, and uh, one was in the Coliseum, and the other one was at the uh, Rose Bowl, and we paid a, a whole ten dollars to get in and watch the game. So I was going to say, and it probably wasn't sold out. No, no, not even close. Twenty-five thousand, maybe. Yeah, I, but anyway, it was a, it, it, it wasn't a big thing at that time, and uh, I've watched this thing grow uh, year after year. Good fortune to uh, have coached in two of them with Don Shugalup and be a part of that uh, undefeated season. And what was that like? I mean, what, was it was the pressure unsurmountable? I mean, take us through that season. Well, it, 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 uh, to us as coaches and players, it was because we had such a juggernaut as our leader, Don Shula, who is the most... Um, he is the most analytical, uh, mind like a steel trap, uh, omnipresent, uh, disallowed us from uh, distinguishing any one game from the other as far as importance is concerned. Uh, he's the only guy I believe in that I'd have ever been associated with or know of that has the uh, internal capacity to keep a ship of state on such a narrow course and keep the uh, tide of uh, adrenaline and despair uh, in check at all times uh, to take us through that season as if the next game play to be played was just another game, no matter how close it came to the uh, 17th game. That's impressive. You know, when you have a pitcher with a perfect game or a no-hitter, nobody looks at him, nobody sits next to him. It's just something it's forbidden. You don't bring it up. You're not talking about it. For you guys, it sounds like you were never really talking about You were just living week to week trying to win a football game. Well, and it's uh, much, much different to have one guy that's about to do something special than it is to have uh, 50 guys that are each individually absolutely needed to make that elusive dream become a reality. What was it like playing for Bear Bryant? Well, at the time, we thought he was a hell of a coach. We thought he was tougher than we would hope and more admirable than we believed. But uh, it, was, it was a matter of pride. Uh, he has the same philosophy they have in the United States Marine Corps, uh, bring in 100 men. 
push them beyond their capacity so that uh, 10 percent of them can't make it that voluntarily leave and those 90 percent that stay uh, look at themselves as a few the proud the marines and uh, it takes on a, a society of its own we are the greatest warriors we're the greatest football players uh, because we are a product of this purging by fire of, of each of us individually and collectively as a team and that we'll be better conditioned than anybody we ever played. <coughs> we'll be better prepared than anybody we ever played. And all we have to do is go out and execute because in the fourth quarter, we will not succumb, they will. <coughs> so it becomes a matter of personal pride and and uh, team above self kind of a thing. Because I didn't grow up in that era, I've only heard the stories. And I've always wondered, were they true? I mean, did he really leave Lexington <laughs> because they gave the basketball coach, of course, Adolph Rupp, the, the car, and he received the watch? I mean, how much of that is true, and how much of that is probably just a big fish story over the years? Well, it's, a, it's not a truism, that's for sure. Uh, Brian did not leave because of uh, the the difference in the gifts for success. Uh, he left because of two things. The first one happened in my sophomore year when uh, we went seven and three uh, with an opportunity to go to the uh, to the uh, Gator Bowl. And before he had taken his team to the Sugar Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, and the Orange Bowl in successive years. And uh, he had always uh, asked his team to take a boat if they wanted to go to a bowl game. It was a voluntary thing and was going to be a reward for success. But uh, in, the, uh, in the Orange Bowl the year before we took our boat, uh, he, had, uh, he had worked them really hard. And as a result, uh, they lost the game. And uh, when it came time for us to vote as to whether we were going to go to the Gator Bowl or not, he called us in after supper one night in the team dining room and asked the uh, captains, one was a guard and one was a tackle. We were playing both offense and defense at the time. And... Uh, he uh, asked the, the center, Tommy Atkins, Captain Atkins, uh, if he, uh, how many centers wanted to uh, go to the bowl game. And all the centers looked at, at Tommy, the captain, and he didn't raise his hand. And then he went to the guards, and he asked how many guards wanted to go. And Ray Correll was our captain, and Ray Correll didn't raise his hand. So Bryant uh, looked around and said, well, you can't play without guards and tackles. <laughs> Walked to the door, put his hat on, and left, and that was the last we ever saw of him. But I know what happened before that was that the university had made a decision not to allow him to go, in, go out of state and recruit uh, like he had before. 
he had gotten a lot of players from Pennsylvania and Ohio, and they thought it would be better if he spent most of his time recruiting in Kentucky. And between that decision to recruit Kentucky ex almost exclusively and the fact that his players uh, rebelled on him uh, for that one instant. Now, if he had done it any different way, it probably wouldn't have happened. But anyway, uh, no, uh, something like not getting the same thing that Radolf Rope got or uh, a lighter instead of a car. <laughs> Brian had enough money to buy his own car. What, what helped you when you went to Louisville? How much did the Thursday night games, I mean, what helped propel that that program into what we've seen today? I mean, obviously, they just had a huge BCS Bowl and, and beat Florida. I mean, what started that program rolling in the direction that it is today? Uh, by me changing, by me taking what I had learned in Miami, how to get that program started, and by me being able for the first time because of my stature in the state, I was I was from the city of Louisville. Uh, I had played on a great high school football team. We had won the state championship. Uh, I had gone to the University of Kentucky and made All-American at the University of Kentucky. I had gone back there and coached for two years. So when it came time for Bill Olson, the athletic director, and others to find a, a coach, uh, to take the University of Louisville's posi job, uh, position and make something happen, uh, they asked me to act as a consultant. And that suited me fine because that gave me an opportunity to tell them what would be the things to hire a coach who had just won the national championship at Miami, almost like an impossible task, uh, what he would need for the, for him to take the job. So I was outlining the conditions by which a Woody Hayes or a Paul Bryant would take a job like Louisville, Kentucky. Why would I take that job? And I talked with him about a culture being developed that would equal to or be like the basketball culture not to be better than, but would become like that, that the uh, financial uh, involvement, the social environment, the psychological environment, the same expectations would be there for the coach that would come in there and he could have a hundred, not a hundred men just giving him X number of dollars to ensure his financial support but the grassroots that would reach out into the state and give you the clout uh, to do something spectacular. And when they saw all of that coming together and that, yes, we can do that, and they convinced me that, yes, they can do that, then I volunteered that I may have found the guy. I was supposed to find that guy. Say maybe I have found the guy that could do that. and. That guy was me. Howard Schnellenberger here at our table, and I know we have to wrap this up because you have to leave, but tell everybody uh, you have a good message to put out there. Well, I'm here for this message, and I'm delighted that you all have uh, allowed me to uh, 
bring the message. And I was delighted to talk with you about uh, anything you'd like to talk about now or at a later time. But this app is so, so eternally needed. This is an app that will help us find an antidote for this plague that we've got sweeping our country called texting while driving. Uh, it's most prevalent with the younger kids, 13 years of age on up to 35. Uh, text 300 times a day. 15 to 20 people die every day because of texting like this. Older people are doing it but the kids are where we got to start. And this app will uh, be downloaded free. It uh, will give you a first answering machine ever for an app. You will not hear a ring or a beep or a boop or anything. It's silent. The app will send back a message immediately that says, I'm driving. I'll call you. I can't call now. I'll call you when I can. Brought to you by Taco Bell, and the taco that that thing t sent by Taco Bell is the key because it then allows us to give the app free, and it give it gives rewards, and the only thing that will encourage these kids to not text and drive is if you reward them for being so smart, so intelligent, not to text while you're driving. So that if you sex uh, 300 times, you have 300 text messages come in, you get 300 points, one point per message. You take that, uh, take your phone to the Taco Bell, uh, order a burrito for 25 points, Coca-Cola for another 25 points, and you're rewarded for taking the, downloading this app. For more details, go to free safe text. Com. Good message from Coach Howard Snellenberger. Thank you so much for stopping by. My pleasure. Thank you very much, and come see us. All right. Uh, love going down memory lane with Howard Snellenberger. We'll take a break, and we'll be back.